The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hatsent Minded. It's been a while and uh, it's the Europeans starting out. A hectic day for me. It's uh, the uh, 8th of May. So let's start by wishing all mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Um, Anton, you're joining me from a place where they actually celebrate this day because in Sweden we celebrate in about 20 days. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know it was Mother's Day today because I was just like, oh, have I forgotten something? But uh, no, no. Like, as a Swede, we celebrate the uh, 29th, I think. Yeah, uh, last Sunday of May, I think it's the standard day. Yeah, yeah, but it's like daylight savings time. I don't understand why it's different, like different times in different parts of the world. Why can't you just have a universal Mother's Day so that you know <laughs> that <laughs> everyone can knows. help each other? <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so confusing when you work um, uh, for, from like uh, with people from different countries, and all of a sudden you have to like you know just kind of trans transcend your your knowledge of, of different different days and different commemorations and everything. Yeah. Um, anyways, we're 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 wishing all mothers out there, or English speaking, French speaking, whatnot, um, mothers. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Be sure to take care of them. Hopefully, we'll have this out today as well, just in time for the uh, Miami Formula One, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the interesting race that they've built up just for, for, for uh, yeah, just for like a, a whole new marina and everything. For, for the next 40 years, because then it's going to be underwater, according well, to, to some, least... and, and especially Vettel that had that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, at least the boats will have some somewhere to float. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Uh, we're here to talk about the European prospects, and normally I would have written up a, a um, an article for each prospect, but uh, life has been a little bit weird for me this year, as you probably noticed, uh, and uh, we're going to do a podcast about it instead, and, and uh, I'll let you discuss all the grades that we're going to give out today um, together in, in the comments section, because I think... Uh, I'm not sure there are any upsets, though. I, I think that's probably the, the most boring thing with this podcast. But yeah, we'll, we'll go through them. And uh, we'll start with two people that are at the end of their turn for, uh, for Montreal Canadiens. And I don't think anyone expects them to get a contract offer. Uh, I certainly don't, because I graded both of them Fs. And uh, we'll start with Alexander Gourdin, who was traded from the SCA system into the soccer system and didn't really play much there either. Um, hey, he, he scored his first KHL goal. So congratulations, Alexander. Indeed. he In his first KHL game, I think as well, wasn't it? Um, I think so. Yeah. So it started off really well. And then he had 13 games more where he didn't score at all. Yeah. And playtime uh, just went downhill from there. And mm. uh, it, it was a situation where Saki needed players as well due to COVID. So they brought in someone. And obviously in the SCAR system, they realized that 
um, Himbo wasn't maybe the prospect they envisioned. Uh, he had still a lot of work to do with his skating. And uh, in the end, it cost him the, the, the position. If he was in Scar, maybe he could have produced more and, and gotten further. But you, you, with these two players that we're talking about now, you have to wonder if the drive really is there. Mm. It, in, in the end, and we haven't really mentioned the other, but I think all of you listening knows who's coming up next. But, mm. but it, it, essentially, um, I like the pick, though. I, I like the Gurdjian pick. I really yep. do. It, it, it's a seventh rounder that, you, you know, you toss it in, you see what happens, you swing for the fences. If it works out, it's great. If it doesn't, you haven't lost anything. Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, uh, he was a sixth round pick, obviously, but like, it's it's basically a crapshoot anyway, so why not take uh, a swing at someone who has one elite skill, which is Alexander's shot, and then just hope that you can work up some of the uh, you know some some of the lesser tools that have made him you know be an overager in the draft and drop to the sixth round. Um, he was basically an unknown when he was picked, and then you just saw you know the elite shot, and you were just like, well. You know, maybe Montreal has actually found a diamond in the rough here, but a lot of the time, a diamond in the rough remains just a big lump of coal a few years later. And Alexander is now, he turns 21 on July 31st, and he has still to take a spot above the Russian Junior League. He still plays in the MHL, even in Capitan Stupino, which is, I guess it's HK Sochi's farm team. In or junior team, I guess. Yeah, or or he's just been traded again because we have. I have not really paid any focus uh, to Russian hockey after the uh, invasion of Ukraine. I'll be honest with that. Oh, I can understand that. Uh, then we're going on to um, Jacob Olofsson. I was supposed to say. I, I almost said Victor, and that would have been a, a greater pick. Obviously, we didn't pick Victor, but but Jacob Olofsson. It's been four years of, of ups. And so downs. sorry, j- just before we move on, because Jacob yeah. Olofsson, obviously his his contract is up. Like his his uh, four like he was picked in 2018, so it's the last chance for him to get an NHL deal with the Canadians. But Gordon was picked in 2020, right? So I was just wondering, like, do, do, don't Montreal like retain his rights for two more years, or how? Does I it think work? they retain the rights forever kind of like when it comes Arvin to Henry Russians. And- but I'm not sure. I'll be yeah, honest with you. I was going to say, like, like the Arvid Henriksen pick, who yeah. is you know, kind of still lingering in the distance there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't expect Gurdan to get a contract anyway, and I still no. keep my, my grade with an F. Uh, not, not, not the grade for the pick, but the grade of his development this year, really. Um, and, and Olofsson, yeah, continuing down that road. Um, he's a former... Uh, Golden Cage or winner as the best junior as a, as a in hockey Alsanskan, which is obviously the second division in Sweden. Um, others that has won that is is uh, Philip Forsberg, William Carlson, um, Jonathan Dalen, who you will uh, if if you haven't really seen him in NHL yet, you you will. Um, and uh, obviously Matthias Norlander uh, won yes. it in 2020. Um, Kalle Klang. A uh, great um, goalie uh, came in and played well for Rugley in in, uh, in the SHL, and obviously he was the precessor to to another person in this draft in this podcast, Frederick Dishaw in in Kristianstad. And 
this year. Emil Andre, who was drafted by uh, Philadelphia Flyers, won it. Um, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, though, because players like Lucas Bengtsson, Robin Kovac, has obviously won it as well, as well as Jacob Wilson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't really know where they end up. And and it is a crapshoot a little bit with with these, you know, winner of, of the Golden Capes, best junior in in hockey Alsanskan, because a lot of juniors obviously play in SHL as well. So there is a discrepancy in 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 this ranking system in a way. Exactly. I mean, if you just look at someone winning the Golden Cage, you could automatically assume if you're from not from Sweden that, well, this must be, you know, one of the most talented juniors players in Sweden. And if they were, they would probably already be on an SHL roster. So like there's a reason why they are you know, starting out in the hockey Elsvenskan, but but still, I mean, it's you know, being the best junior in the second tier is still you know, you've done something well. But then it's obviously you know, being it's not about just being a good SHL player to get to the NHL level or even to the AHL level. You actually have to you know make your mark in the SHL and then make the your mark in the AHL. So really, it's like. It's like fourth tier hockey playing in the hockey Elsvenskan, and then third tier would be SHL, second tier AHL, and then first tier NHL, obviously. So, like Jacob Olofsson, it's been four years and he's still only made a mark in the hockey Elsvenskan. Yeah. And, and we, we've seen him. And I think actually at the start of the season, you and I were saying we'd be surprised if he stayed with Timro in hockey Elsvenskan. Timro were cheap. Let's, let's be honest with that. And mm. uh, in, in SHL, sorry. And, mm. uh, uh, we were surprised if he would stay in the SHL with Tim Rowe and and we expected him more or less to go down in hockey Elsenskan uh, during the the uh, the season and and that happened. He went to a top team. He played relatively well, mm. but it as that level bottom SHL level or top uh, a hockey Elsenskan player that mm. he has been the last four years and you're not going to see him anywhere else. There is not with, with the influx of KHL players coming back to Sweden and into Europe as a whole, you're not going to see him go anywhere else either. It's not going to be a Finnish team picking him up. Maybe a Slovak or, or Czech team might. But, mm. I mean, the development that these two countries has as well, he, I I would assume you'd rather promote uh, from within the club than than get a expensive SHL or Swedish player in there. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, and we can see as well, like, I think... For some players, you could just say, say like, well, they just need a change of environment. But in Jacob Olsson's case, we've seen him on a number of different teams now, and he always seems to maintain the same level. Um, Bjorklöven, who we played for most recently, were he the was second. in Freland this season as yeah, well. Exa- Didn't yeah, he make was. Mark. No, exactly. But like in Bjorklöven, he, he did well. And Bjorklöven were, you know, they were in the finals against mm-hmm. HV71 to, to be promoted. But that's not enough to like he's still only 22 so who knows what will end up happening for him in the future we've we've seen players like like you you mentioned robin kovac for example um a former golden cage winner as well i mean he's he's been a really productive shl player for the last few seasons in other blue and now he signed a deal in in lausanne to play in the in the swiss league for next season but that's that is probably where Jacob Olofsson, if he reaches his full potential as it looks now, it probably ends up looking somewhere like that, that he will bounce around the European leagues. And hopefully we'll at least be able to see him, you know, make his, um, you know, make his mark in, in the SHL in the future. But, yeah, I, uh, I don't see him go to either top, t- top tire league 
uh, I see. I don't see him go to Liga. I don't see him go to to the NLA either. So so for me, he's below that. And and for I mean, like we speak about Robin Kovac, and that was a personal situation that took him really hard. Mm. Uh, I think he he was driving the car, and his friend they got into an passed away. Yeah, and yeah, they, exactly. and His friend passed away. So yeah. obviously, it was a tough situation. Very very talented player. I'm happy to see that he's back. Former Rangers pick, wasn't he? I think he was. He was a Rangers pick, third round pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad to see he's doing all right. He's been very outspoken about his accident and uh, what not to do for young people. So, mm. so you know, he's a good role model and uh, fair play to get an, an NLA contract, uh, especially as NLA is lowering the, the number of foreigners and with the influx of KHL players as well. So, mm. so uh, yeah. Great to see Kovac succeeding. Uh, speak about the KHL. We had high hopes for for one of the defenders picked in in last year's draft, and that was uh, Dmitry Kostenko, who played with Spartak. He, he was at Togliatti first, but uh, signed with Sparta this year. However, he started out in the MHL, and he was clearly too good for that. On the other hand, he was moved up to VHL, and he was still good. But he didn't rule the eyes as you would have expected a top pro- prospect to do. Uh, the one thing that that stands out really is that his plus minus is <laughs> over the season is incredible. For he's uh, plus sixteen over eighty eight games. He's uh, plus four in 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 ten playoff games. Uh, secure. I watched him play, and I don't think his skating is up there really. And mm. I spoke with his national team coach. Uh, it was just before, it was the Four Nations in Engelholm, and he he spoke about the fact that Kostenko doesn't have the I wouldn't say smartness, but he's fast in his mind, and uh, he he needs to process the game at a higher speed. Okay. And I think this is where he where he struggled this year, and it will be interesting to see where he goes like how he works out next year. Obviously, you know, with, with what's going on in, in Ukraine, we're not sure what's going to happen and how, how much we're going to be able to watch him. But on the other hand, um, Montreal has his rights. We're going to look at it. Uh, it's not his fault that Russia is uh, invading another country, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I gave him a D. Uh, you would have expected him a, a, a draft pick to challenge for the world championship world junior championship roster and i i don't he wasn't near it let's be honest mm. he was maybe in the c team for the world juniors and and uh, one thing is he's, if he's cut late that's all right but being cut that early yeah it, it, it leaves a little bit of a sour taste not for, for him especially but uh, for us it, it sort of means that you know where he is at a at his own level and and it's not looking good right now but on the other hand we we're going to talk about someone that took a, like not not a giant leap but a couple of giant leaps after taking and, a detour for a few years yeah so so we'll we'll see what happens there but i mean mm. a d i think it's i i know it's not a great grade but i did expect more i mm. i really did i have to be honest to say that uh, hence why I'm grading him maybe harshly but but yeah you uh, were saying as well be- before we started that Spartak Moscow which he went to from Lada Toliati before the season is 
not that great of a team either. So you were kind of hoping that he would, uh, you know, push for a spot on the KHL roster. And he yeah, at least that. be seventh seventh uh, defender or, mm. or, you know, be up there. A couple of games in the K would have been good. But, you know, mm. uh, especially with COVID going on, you would have expected him, you know, to get, get a chance in there. Someone that, you know, has had an interesting season, though, is... Uh, Oliver Kapanen, and uh, one has to wonder a little bit where he, um, what he thinks about it, because um, first and foremost, he gets a C, and and it's it's a it's a flat C. I don't see it as a C plus. He has done more or less as expected. He wanted to get into the World Juniors, and I, I liked his play in the World Juniors. I liked his. Um, the roster management for by the Finnish coaches in the World Juniors as well, where they put him on the second line in order to free up um, the um, Finnish Canadian kid, Brad Lambert, uh, Brad Lambert into mm. a free role on the third line, and mm. I think it's very smart. He's very responsible. You could play that second line as they did in the World Juniors for those few games that we see saw and what we're going to see later this summer. Uh, they played him very smart, like a, a shutdown role. Mm. And I know there's a lot to talk about um, Heinemann as a next Lekkonen. I think the next Lekkonen is probably finished, and that is going to be um, Oliver Kapanen. I, I was actually just going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> So, because it so, sounded like you know what you were describing a, a Lekkonen type of talent. Yeah, and and I think that's you know if that's his ceiling, and, and he reaches that, I'm I'm super happy with the pick. Mm. Um, he struggled in in Kalpa. Um, he got a fourth line. He was injured a little bit. Uh, he got back into Kalpa under twenties, and. Uh, then he got back into Liga. He went to Mestis, which is a second division for a game or two. And then he played a game or two with Carpet. And one would assume he has to do something about the role in Kalpa as well. It's tough because obviously um, there is a guy named Sami Kapanen that owns part of Kalpa. So, mm. so it's tough for a Kapanen to leave, I would assume. But in a way... That, that's his uncle, right? Yeah, that's his uncle. And his mm. cousin is playing for them as well. Um, mm. So I think it's... You need... And, and if we look back to, to Yoni Ikonen, mm. he didn't develop as expected. Obviously, there were injuries. But it doesn't really... The, it doesn't really... Um, translates for, for Kalpa to develop young players. And that's what I see anyway. And I think um, it might be beneficial for him to move. The question is if he can move or if you could move him into a Swedish team. So it's not like Kapanen's um, nephew is moving to another Finnish team, but rather to another country and, and chooses a development there. That would be probably be preferable, uh, at, at least media-wise. But, but what really stood out for me is the World Junior Championship play and the play he did in the under-20 uh, playoffs, where he led Kalpa in many ways uh, to the final. Unfortunately, they lost game five and lost the championship in the deciding game. But he stood out there, and I think he was it, it was really good from him to see. 
that he can perform at that level. Um, and uh, that's against his peers. So, so, so fair play to that. But mm. in, in the other end, you got to look at it from, from uh, what we expected. And if you look at draft plus one, and I'm going to add this list into the, the article, uh, in 16 games with Kalpa, he has a goal and an assist. That's to, total, total points. That gives you a point per game um, score of, of 0.13, mm. um, which is uh, not the best. And uh, just to compare it with uh, another uh, former Habs uh, draft pick that is taken similar in the draft is Johnny Ikonen, who has almost twice the number of that. He had 0.21 with three goals and seven assists in, in 47 games. So, and, and at, at this drafted list that I have, and I keep putting in players, and I, I'm sure I've forgotten some uh, over the years, um, Kaplan is absolutely the lowest guy. Yeah. Uh, part of it has to do with injuries. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced with that. Uh, but also, I wouldn't have that expectations that he's going to come out and be... Um, a Jesse Pugliarvi or, 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 you know, a scoring winger somewhere. Um, I think that, you know, he's going to be more of a Lekkonen guy, uh, maybe, uh, and probably as a center, maybe as a winger. Um, and, and you have to be happy if that's, if, if he reaches that kind of potential. I just had one question about, uh, about Kapanen's play. And I was wondering whether you think that he's one of those players who would fit better in a North American game than he does on the European ice and in the European style of play. I see his strength really in the defensive zone. And maybe um, I've seen glimmers of it, like just in front of, Sorry, just in front of the net uh, in offensive zone. But it's like he's been squeezing the, the stick this year and he hasn't been able to put these actions uh, away uh, or, or the pucks away into the net. And uh, I don't know if that's mentally or if it's just been like that year where he expects everything to blossom and he has to fight through adversity. But... I, I, I don't have high expectations on him as a uh, offensive minded player. I, I see him as a defensive first. Uh, it's yeah, Lekon and Dano, maybe Dano is, is obviously having a good year, so, so it's mm. tough to compare him with that. But you know, these are the best obvious outcomes. You could also mm. have an Ikonen where we don't know where we're going to end up with. Uh, I think the drive is there. Um, so, so there is possibility, but I, you know, it's hybridized and in, in, in Finland anyway. So you're going to be able to sort of get that idea about like um, if he suits the American game. I think he does. I don't think he has a preference for either size, but I, I what I really stands out is his hockey IQ, his uh, strength in the, in the circle, uh, defensive acumen. And those are the things that I see, and I think that was very obvious in the World Juniors. Looking forward, though, uh, and, and for someone whose season isn't actually over, uh, who is over in Laval participating in the playoffs, and a lot of us had higher hopes from Matthias Norlinder this year than he 
managed to achieve, I'm still giving him a C plus, but it all comes down to his performance in the playoffs in Sweden, uh, where I think he had, was it seven points in 10 games? Six, uh, six and nine, but six a, and nine, pl- yeah. a pl- plus eight as well in plus minus. Yeah, and uh, he was still on the ice for, for some no. uh, goals against at the end of, of, of uh, games, etc., etc. So a, a really strong playoff performer. And I, from what I have seen during the season is that Matthias, when he came back to Sweden after his long stint in, in Montreal, is that he tried to uh, play that a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more physical, clearing out in front of the net kind of of place that you expect from a North American uh, player. And uh, yeah, um, then with playoffs, uh, his partner, Philip uh, Johansson, played very well. Matthias uh, benefited from that a little bit as well. And then Andreas Borgman got injured and Matthias moved up the lineup, got got back into the first power play unit and uh, yeah i think i think confidence really was lost uh, through his time in 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 north america mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't what he expected uh, it didn't turn out what he wanted and he came back and a little bit like andreas johansson uh, or johnson sorry uh, in in uh, taking colberg's place someone had taken his place in the lineup when he came back from Montreal. Um, I think that maybe Montreal should have returned him to Sweden a lot earlier. I know he got injured, but he could have recuperated in Sweden, stayed with the team. The team would have known more uh, because for Matthias, I think he was always expecting to go back to Sweden and not stay in Montreal. I understand Montreal, uh, especially during the injury uh and that they wanted to keep him close and observe him and make sure that he he healed up properly. Um, I think the mistake was done not speaking to Matthias about possible outcomes in December uh, to maybe, I, I would use the word force in this case, um, to, to stay because he was on an NHL roster by the 1st of December. Um he wasn't aware of that. Maybe you should have made him aware of that. Maybe you should have a conversation about that. That is still the old guard that is now out. And uh, I think it speaks volumes that he wants to go to Laval and participate in the playoffs. I'm not worried about his his commitment to Montreal or his drive to make the NHL. I think that's very strong. And I think uh, we will see him in the NHL. Uh, the question is in what role? It's always going to be that with Matthias. Which role will you see him? He's never going to be... Will it be an Eric Gustafsson kind of role? Will it be more than that? Will he take uh, become more defensive responsible than Eric Gustafsson? But maybe that's his, 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 his peak. Um, but he's there. He wants to, to, to show everyone that you know he can play when, when he needs to. And it would be interesting to finish him this season... And see him finishing the season with the Laval Rocket and the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, I I had it wrong. He was minus one in the uh, in the playoffs. I was looking at his penalty minutes. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I was just wondering as well. Do you think he would benefit from starting off? Like, we, obviously, we don't know how summer training and everything and how training camp will will 
you know be for for the young guys uh, obviously Montreal has a young roster as it is and there will be holes to fill but do you think Matthias Norlund would benefit from starting the season off in Laval and just working his way up uh, a like like a Jake Evans or or something similar yeah I I, I see that uh, that is the route for him to go I think and that's probably why I think it would have been better for him in many ways to uh, stay in uh, in uh, in uh, SHL the whole season. I understand why he went over. I understand the, the expectation in Montreal. He hadn't been to any of the uh, camps, so it was a chance to show uh, show him uh, for for the Montreal crowd and the media as well. Um, I just think, yeah, the the uh, I, I think the it would have been better for him to stay overall in in in. Uh, In Sweden the whole time, but but yeah. um, you never know. You no, never I, know. I just think like I mean, it's invaluable experience. Even if yeah. it didn't, uh, even if it didn't turn out as well as one would have hoped, maybe at the start of the season, it was also due to a lot of turmoil on the Canadians' staff and roster, and you know yeah. there were a lot, was a lot of things happening, and and Matthias kind of got squeezed through like he he got kind of in the way and i understand that that's not very nice when you're on the other side of the globe for the first time and you know trying to just you know you don't really know what's going on but at the same time now that he comes in he comes back to montreal he comes back to laval he's been he's played six games for both during the season so now he comes back and he knows what's expected of him obviously there is you know new coach new gm all that's you know all that that has changed but it's still you know like i, I think we can all agree that it's easier to come back to a place the second time um even yeah he's been to summer training camp before but now it's been like you know just game management and, and preparing and traveling and all that stuff that maybe is different from how we do it in sweden I think it's just going to be an easier transition for him, both now and during the 22-23 season, when he will for sure be with either the Montreal Canadiens or the Laval Rocket. Yeah, and uh, yeah, obviously it was uh, one of these uh, situations where you lose confidence, where you're not prepared maybe mentally, and, and obviously injuries happened as well, and injuries happened as soon as he got back to Sweden as well. So So, you know... Totally understandable. Uh, I expected more from Norlander, I'll be honest to say that. Uh, on the other hand, I also saw that he tried to take that experience from North America and, and get it into the SHL rink. And I think that will benefit him. He knows what he needs to work on. He wants to achieve it. So, so I think he's going to achieve it. The question is, again, which role will he have on, on Montreal Canadiens in the future? Mm. Uh, on the other hand, we have one story that is probably the story of Europe uh, from, from Montreal Canadiens this year. And it's a, it's a Danish guy. We didn't really expect that one either because we were ranking him all over the place in the top 25, under 25. And I'm sure that he's going to get a, a huge rise through the ranks this year. I also have this um, little, little piece of news because the gnome has a Frölunda cage with a gnome on it. At least one. That's what I know, I'm told. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see him in Frölunda next year. It was a great article by Juan Rilander in, in um, 
Gothenburg Post the other day where he spoke about his uh, commitment and looking forward to learning from from one of the best goalies in Europe at this time, Lars Johansson, who's played in SKA the, the last couple of years and previous with Seska as well. So um, he sees his learning experience. I would assume that he gets a contract next year because Montreal has to sign him. But I can also see them with the goalies coming up in the system, uh, Robertic, um and Dorsch, yeah, yeah, and, and, and uh, Primo and, and everyone, uh, you could he could be lent back to SHL for another year, and I think mm. Frölunda is sort of expecting that. Uh, I don't know what how they've spoken with Montreal. This is me um, guessing, um, but I can definitely see that kind of of thing working out. Yeah, you know, we sign him, but we're going to loan him back to you directly anyway. Um, Obviously, it also comes down to to the fact of what's going to happen with Carey Price. Mm. But but I think Friedrich Tischau, no one expected this, least of everyone me. Uh, I, I didn't expect this at all. I'm really happy because Friedrich is a fantastic guy. Uh, one of the things he told me when I met him, I met him a few times this year, but one of the things he, he spoke to me about was actually... Um, he went to a sports psychologist last year in order to work with his uh, confidence and with his anger management. And I think uh, that is probably, you know, it helped him a lot. Um, his anger management is not off the ice. It's on the ice because he could be very volatile on the ice earlier. And I think he's focused a lot more and it has given him numbers like that, that are absolutely crazy. And a uh, friend of the pod, Max Stromberg, had a great article that said Friedrich Dijon should, should have been MVP of the whole of Hockey Allsvenskan this year. And mm. I know a couple of journalists contacted him after uh, and said, you know, if that article would have come earlier, I would have voted for him. And there are five guys, and I think one or two, I think it was two that contacted him after and said, you know, we should have voted for him. We were just not, you know, it's small city, a really shitty team. No one really knows about. So obviously, best goalie went to the big city team in AIK. And I forgot who the MVP got in the end. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, Friedrich Fischau had numbers. That was a goal against average of 227, which is one of the best in the league uh, with players playing over 1,000 uh, minutes. Um, his saving percentage was the best in the league with players over uh, a thousand minutes at uh, 0.93. He was third and tied third for shootouts with four. Uh, he had a winning percentage of 67%, which is ridiculous when you think about, and, and you have to back me up on this, when you think about he played for Kruhanstad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, as I've mentioned, Kruhanstad is not everyone... Last year, they won the right to play this year in Hockey Alsenskan with obviously the last shot because the Game 7 went to overtime. Mm. And and you'd expect them to be at the bottom. In the end, they finished sixth, went to the playoffs, faced Modo, great team as everyone knows about, great history, learning experience, definitely Disha got a one was it three minutes in the of SHL time when he when Rugley called up on him. Um and actually instead of taking a timeout, they did a goalie change. 
so he had got to play three minutes and then he was taken off again. Um, I think he saved one shot. Uh, and then in in the playoffs, so, when... so so he's basically Mister Hundred Percent in yeah, in definitely yeah. I think uh, I I don't know if he's faced one shot or if but but he kept the clean sheet for those three minutes that's for sure. Uh, but anyway, um, he was called up to Rugler when they struggled with goalies uh, in the playoffs as well. So yeah, and uh, Rugler's GM had. Some very positive words about the show, saying great, great character, uh, great guy to have in the locker room. Uh, and uh, Inkrochansta said he's turned more professional this year, and I think stepping into Frölunda would mean even more professionalism from from Dijon. Uh, clearly, an A. Uh, if I could have given him a, a capital A, I would have. Well, actually, it's a capital A on my paper, but but uh, it's 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 one of the easiest grade to set this year. He has overachieved. For next year, you have to look at it 20 to 25% with one of the top teams. In, uh, 20 to 25 games for one of the top teams in Sweden. It will be CHL and it will be SHL. Might get a, a, a couple of minutes or, or a game or two in, in depending on where Frölunda finishes in, in the playoffs. And of course, of if Lars Johansson stays healthy or not. Mm. But I think, yeah. yeah, I was just going to ask, do do you think that it's a good choice to go and and learn from one of Europe's best goaltenders and obviously one of of the best environments for a young hockey player in Europe being in Frölunda? Or would you have preferred him going to a smaller team in the SHL where he would get maybe 40 games in a season? I don't know, because I think if you look at those smaller teams, they have a same situation. They don't have a one... A one B uh, uh, goalie. They have a clear one A. You mm. look at a team like Oscarsham, who was a surprising team in SHL this year. Lexand, um, Malmo. I I don't think he wanted to go back to Malmo. I think no. the offer was there. Yeah. Um, and and that's again me guessing. Uh, I know there were interests from Rugler because they. I think they're losing one as well. But it's going to Frontline is also going to his childhood club. Mm. He was. He spoke with Johan Rolander about this. I, I was at training camp for Frölunda, but I didn't get picked. And I think he has a bone to pick with with Frölunda, and he wants to show them that he can 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 play. And obviously, he's shown that at at at, at some level. Um, I think the the one thing that that yeah, I, I'm, in some ways, I would have liked to see him in in. Uh, in a smaller team, but I also think Frölunda learned from this year where they had two, one A and one B um, goalie, mm. and they, they needed a proper second goalie rather than a, a competition where someone gets bored and, and sort of sits out the season because that's what I expected when you have a contract, but didn't get to play and become a little bit upset with that. Not not that anything was leaked and, and they behaved admirably be both goalies but i think yeah it's 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 uh i think it's a good move he will get to practice with with some really really great players um and he will learn from that i do wish he gets to play more than 25 games though and i think it all comes down to that uh i expect him to get loaned back to frelanda or another shl team when montreal has signed him after next season 
Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun to like, look at, I mean, he was picked as picked 138 in 2019, the same draft as Norlinder. And, and we look at his stats, you know, he played with the Melmer Redhawks J20 team for 24 games. He had a 0.891 save percentage. And then in 2021, due to COVID, he was loaned out to Rungstad Seo in Denmark for three games and had, you know, great saving percentage, but one, it was the Danish league, and two, it was only for three games. So then he was loaned out to Udense as well, played three games there, great save percentage, but one, it was Denmark, two, it was only three games. So when we had the top 25 rankings uh, for 2021, I was just looking over my rankings, and as number 42 in the bottom, I had Arvid Henriksen. Number why? 41. No, no, exactly. Why? I have no idea. He has, you know, impressed me this season. But anyway, number 41, I had Michael Petzeda. So that tells you all about, you know, my, you know, my my possibility of, of, of looking at talent. He obviously became an NHL roster player, bottom six player this year from out of nowhere. And number 40, I had Frederick Dishov. So basically, the two of the three. Uh, We're expecting big rankings from from uh, Henriksen this year, then. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you, you can never you can never really know going into a season but... what will happen. But as I said, like no one was expecting this of Dijon, especially considering the two seasons that he's had after being drafted. Yeah, I mean, you can see this development happening in a million years, and I'm so happy for him. Yeah, uh, again, super happy about Dijon. Um, can't argue against any of these stats. I watched him in two games, clean sheet in both. Uh, fantastic. It's just because he fills out the net. He's enormous. Yeah. And, and I think that's what he has to work on is his rebound control. Mm. It all comes down to that. And, and uh, if he can, I think in that regard, it's really good to not practice, uh, to get a lot of practice and not play as many games. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, it's 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 it would that is the main thing uh, for for Dishaw to control. Um, and obviously, he played in the Olympics. He almost shot Russia down. Uh, <laughs> the, Russia won two nil and and scored the uh, the empty netter. So obviously, only uh, one goal against against Russia in an Olympic tournament, especially as a Danish goalkeeper, you got to give him credit for that. Uh, he played one game against Sweden now in in the pre tournaments for for the World Championships, and the Swedish uh, Twitter account was just going like, "Yeah, the Danish goalkeeper stands on his head again." Uh, so so he has this big save mentality, but on the other hand, he also has this thing where he can sometimes let in a goal and then he lets in the next shot just because he loses focus. So it's it's that it's the psychological end of things, and he's working on that already. We know that, and he he and the rebound control. If he can if he can get that, I'm sure he's going to get a chance to look at the NHL anyway. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're all fans of the gnome here. You've been listening to, and if I haven't mentioned it, Isha, obviously, yeah, I've mentioned he got an A. Uh, but you've been listening to Anton Rossegård from Wales. Fantastic guy. Follow him. Make sure to treat him well because he you goes can't to Montreal. follow me. I don't have Twitter, so no. But you can follow him in Montreal. Oh, you can. Yeah. Time. <laughs> you, you, you can check me out. I will be wearing my red and soin jersey. Yeah, and uh, but be sure to treat him fairly and nicely in Montreal. He's going to be there for a month and a half. Uh, 
you'll find him at the Formula One race. You find him near the draft with an Habs eyes on the price group. Otherwise, you'll find me in Plateau. Well, everyone knows where that is except me, so that's fine. Uh, be sure to to follow eyes on the price and and absent minded and at the end both uh, Anton and I will give a huge uh, shout out to Matt Drake who's been phenomenal uh, this year with his bottom six minutes. I think he's missed three. Yeah, and we all the rest we of will, us. I was going to say feel we, will that nev- too. we will never forgive him for those missed three games. Nah. It's, it's more the fact that I got a chance to, to actually contribute to one of them. I, I feel happy about that. And obviously, I went all mad and, and just slagged off the refs. So, so, yeah, I felt right at home. You've been listening to the European Prospect Grades. Uh, we're looking forward to fill out some of your summer with more stuff from our pod. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>